You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Clap your hands if you're glad to be here today. <laughs> uh, good morning. Hi. Welcome to Elevation Community Church. My name is Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors here. And to my left, the strapping individual here, well-dressed, <laughs> is uh, Phil Nelson. He's also one of the pastors here. Now, it's funny is that we're up here together, but with our powers combined, we're kind of one pastor because... <laughs> Phil has had surgery on his hands, and so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not a tattoo. Those are stitches. And my knee, if you missed uh, last week, there's a great story about how I hurt my knee. Watch last Uh, week's message. Watch last week's message just for the story because Duck, Duck, Goose is a dangerous game. Yeah. And um, and so anyway, so I hurt my knee. So with us together, you're kind of getting a full pastor here. So I guess that works out well. Uh, But we have uh, been... Uh, we're finishing up our series, Return. Now, for the last four weeks, we have returned back uh, to this building for uh, live, I guess, indoor services. We've been meeting outside for most of the summer, uh, but it's nice to come back in. But I think it's great when we return, it's, it's, you almost have to remember what you're returning to, right? Because mm-hmm. as you've been away, as we've been away with COVID and different things like that, we, we develop patterns. We develop patterns in our life of what the, the, the challenges and the changes that have kind of molded us and we've adapted to them. And so just like the people of Israel were returning from captivity, they had to almost go back and return to their identity, return to who they were. And so this whole series has been about that, about uh, returning back to how God has designed us and wired us. And we looked at a couple different things. One, when they returned, the Israelites, they rebuilt the altar of sacrifice. Now, the altar of sacrifice was vital for the Jewish culture and for Judaism because that was how they reconnected with God. That is how they atoned for their sins. That is how they were reconciled relationally back to God. And now because of Jesus, we live in a time where we have been reconciled to God, that he is, Jesus is our high priest. And so instead of having to come back to Jerusalem to build an altar of sacrifice because of his perfect work on the cross, we now get the opportunity to carry that on now here because we get to be living sacrifices. Jesus said that if you give up your life for my sake, you will actually gain it. Hmm. And so we saw that, that when the Israelites returned, they rebuilt the altar of sacrifice, but they also rebuilt the temple. And just like the altar of sacrifice was vital, so was the temple. Because the only way to connect to God and for God to connect to humanity was through the temple, was through the building, was through mm-hmm. the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. Right? And because of what Jesus did, yeah. it's really cool, actually. The veil was torn between the holy place and the most, and the most holy place, Amen. the holy of holies. And because of that, now we have access to God, not because of a sacred building that's in Jerusalem. And I'm thankful for that. Even though I love all the stuff that we've been able to do in this building, it's not, we're not dependent on that. No. We have become the temple of God. We now house the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, in turn, instead of the building being the thing that connects heaven to earth, we are the thing. Isn't that awesome? That connects heaven to earth. 
That, that is so awesome. And it's okay to get excited in church, by the way. So this is, this is good stuff. Uh, we are so excited about this series and, and the content. Yeah. Go ahead. And then the last thing that we looked at was really returning back to the truth. So when they returned back, they opened up the Torah and they were reminded who we are. It's yeah. very easy to forget who we are. We need something to ground us. And so with the truth of God's word, we were able to find out who we are. But I love it. It doesn't just stop there. That we actually are grounded and guided by the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that, raised, that rose Jesus from the dead, that lives in us as followers of Jesus. We get to be guided by that. And it comforts us and it gives us direction. But also, we get to be guided by the person of Jesus. Before Jesus, no one saw God. But he was the visible image, Colossians 1 tells of the invisible God. Yeah. And so we were able to see what God was like in a body and actually have someone to imitate, mm. to follow, to see how we responded to conflict and controversy, to see how we sacrificially loved others and how he was a part of people's lives. God was not distant anymore. He was near. And so, mm. and so as we return, it's great to remind us of those things because it's easy to lose it when we, when we have gone away, whatever it may be, and whatever patterns we've developed in that time. That's so good. Um, you know, something that just kind of came to me. How, ma how many, just raise your hand if you're a parent of uh, a child 18 years or younger, 18 years old or younger. So we've got probably about... 25 or 30 hands, okay? And you know what's amazing to me is I would say that every single parent would say, you know what, I want what's best for my kid, and I truly want God's best for my kid. I want them to grow up. They, you guys don't want them to be in the 75% uh, statistic that when they leave your home and go to college or go off on their own, that they lose their faith. 75%. Mm. No parent wants them to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But the key is how we guide them and ground them. And so parents, I'm just, just a plug right here. This is so important. Are you grounding and guiding your child in the way they should go in the ways of the Lord? Mm. Are you introducing them and showing them what it looks like to be guided by the word of God? Mm. Do your kids know how to read the Word of God based on your guidance? Do they know the person of Jesus? Do they know what Jesus has done for them? Do they know the truth of the gospel? And have they experienced the Holy Spirit? God's working in their lives. If you can answer yes to that, well done, mom and dad. Keep it going. Keep it going. If you can't answer yes to that. We are here to support you at ECC. Absolutely. We are not here to disciple your kid because that's your job, but we're here to partner with you. We have kids ministry. We have family ministries. We have AIM. They meet every Sunday night right now in Jeff and Tiffany's, uh, Tiffany Wiss's house on 72 Dudley Road. Sorry, everyone knows your address now. <laughs> Um, but they've been seeing 30 to 40 teens every Sunday night. Guys, this is what it's about. They are guiding these teens not only to have fun and connect with each other, but to get to know Jesus and be grounded in his word and the person of Jesus. But mom and dad, if you're not doing that at home, then it's just 
it's, it, it's, it's just kind of preventative. It's mm. just kind of medicating it. Mm. But it, they've got to see it at home. Mm. They've got to experience that at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in returning to God through being living sacrifices to being the temple of God and to returning back to the word, we also need to return back to one another. And I know COVID, that's, that's been one of the biggest negatives to everything is not just our freedoms feeling stretched, but now we can't connect like we used to and not like the Bible tells us to. Mm. And so we, this fall, we're going to bravely say, we're going to do it. We're going to do small groups this season. We are going to do small groups. They may look a little different, but the whole idea is for us to grow like Jesus together. We need each other. So can you just share just a little bit about small groups this season? Because I know it's going to look a little different. Yeah, it is going to be different. Uh, Last small group season, that was like right when COVID hit, and that like totally sunk the ship, I guess. Not sunk the ship, but it it didn't turn out the way we expected. Um, And (laughs) so, yeah, it fizzled slightly. Uh, People got sick of Zoom. So, yeah, yeah, the Zoom meetings. I know. Who loves Zoom, by the way? Yeah? All right. Anyway, so helping people discover Jesus through community. That's what we want to do with our small groups. Uh, This Sunday morning experience is always great, right? We love this time to connect as a community, but it's a one-sided conversation in many ways. We're just sitting here talking. We're giving information. It looks similar to a classroom. But we know that we learn in different ways. And so much about learning is about putting kind of people in smaller groups, giving them the opportunity to be imitated, uh, apprenticeship, different things like that. You need mentors. You need people connected to be able to do that. It revolves around relationships. So we grow, I think we grow best, not just in rows like this, but we grow best when we're in circles when we're pouring into each other's lives, when we get an opportunity to see face-to-face and walk with people through the challenges that they're currently going through. And so it might look a little different during this season. Uh, We have a lot of stuff to kind of hoops to go through and different things that we have to kind of address and adapt to. But we're going to try to do Zoom meetings. We're going to try to do a Wednesday night larger gathering that we're going to have here that's going to be open for anybody. So anybody that would like to get connected, uh, whether you've been here for a while or you're brand new, brand new might be great because you get a chance to meet some people here at ECC. And so regardless, we're going to have opportunities to get connected. We're going to have signups in the back. You can also sign up online, and we're going to give more information on that towards the end of the service. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what we're talking about today is the fourth message of this return series is we return to becoming living sacrifices. We return to being vessels that God's Spirit fills And then we return to God's word. And then fourth and finally, we return to revival. Now, this word causes a lot of different feelings and thoughts in each person. And so before we define the word revival, I want you to look at a video here. But first, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, we look around. We know that things aren't right in our country. Would you agree? Mm Mm-hmm. Two of you agree? (laughs) Would you agree that this is not right? Yeah. Would you agree that there are a lot of things that are getting further and further and further away from God's standard? Mm -hmm. We need a shaking, Mm -hmm. and we need God's help to come. And I believe that we can see it again. I believe that we're seeing biblical fulfillments of God's word, We're seeing it get closer and closer and closer 
to Jesus coming and making all things new and all things right. But in the meantime, I do believe, and even the word of God says, that a revival is coming in the last days like we've never seen before. Mm. And I want you to watch this video of a revival that happened in 1857. Go ahead. The United States, 1857. Slavery, rebellion, rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In I'm afraid to be around. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? But I know it's going to because God's word tells us that there is hope and restoration power in the name of Jesus. One man, one man did one thing. Every day at lunchtime, he prayed. Mm. In the town, in the center of the town, mm -hmm. one man, not a pastor, not an evangelist necessarily, not a church vocational professional, one man did one thing. Mm -hmm. He sought God's face. And revival spread like a wildfire. Mm. So what is revival? <clears throat> I think it's really important to mention that because it's just a lot of times a Christian word where people panic because they think that we're trying to get the lost saved. And that's our only purpose of revival. Now, the lost becoming saved is, I think, a byproduct of revival. <laughs> I grew up, I don't know about you, I grew up in a charismatic uh, church. And what happened there was we would... Every summer or every fall during National Day of Prayer or whatever, we'd have a tent revival. So it was a big event, really big event. We invited Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Johnny and Aunt Agnes and whoever and all our neighbors down the street. We wanted to get them there so that they could hear the gospel and get saved. That was revival. Not saying that that's the wrong definition, but if we look at the Old Testament, and in this series, we've been looking at the Old Testament in the book of Ezra, where God's people were taken by the Babylonians uh, in slavery for over 50 years. And then when God sets them free and they start returning back to do life the way that God designed it, uh, something happens, and it's called revival. 
It's a renewal of things. And so I want to read to you the definition of revival that comes out of Old Testament. And it is the fanning, the flame of a spiritual life. Here it is. That is already burning. No matter how dimly it may be. Revival is all about promoting spiritual vitality. Isn't that interesting? Because I always thought about it. It was just get the lost to the tent and let's have a revival. Mm -hmm. It's great intentions and and God does great things. But that's not what we see, especially in the Old Testament movement. And I would even argue in the New Testament movement. Mm -hmm. We see people being added to the kingdom of God left and right, but something has to happen first in God's people before the lost are found. Mm. You agree? If not, let's look at at something that I've been uh, reflecting over. Revival. Revival is absolutely needed in our communities and our world. Would you all agree? Say yes or nod your heads if you you agree. Absolutely, look around. We are in desperate need of God to do something. I mean, things are getting worse by the minute. We have an upcoming election this November. It is absolutely crucial. By the way, I just want to put a plug in. In October, we are going to do a bold series of what does it mean to vote according to the Bible. Mm. We're not promoting any candidate. We're promoting the Bible. Mm -hmm. But it is a Christian's duty and an American's freedom and right to vote. Mm -hmm. And so if you have not registered to vote or have not done your absentee ballot, you will feel left out in this series as we look to God's word to see how we should vote. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So I just want to let you know that's another plug uh, we didn't do in first service. They missed it. So (laughs) revival is absolutely needed in our communities and our world. However... In order to reach the lost, revival has to happen in the church first. In the people who call themselves followers of Christ first. In order to reach the lost, there first needs to be a revival in the found. Mm, Yep. How many churches are filled with just flickering lights that are just providing more smoke than light? Mm. It's happening all over. We are called to be the light. And to be that flame that spreads, there is a huge, huge void and a deep need for spiritual growth and depth in the lives of believers. Mm -hmm. Guys, we have to wake up just like that song they sang. We're going to sing in a little bit. Awake my soul. Mm -hmm. There needs to be an awakening in the found before we reach the lost. In families and marriages, in the next generation. And all of this that we're talking about, guys, here's the problem in the American church. Is this cannot happen only one day a week, one hour service. Mm -hmm. There's no way it can happen. It's kind of like creating a bonfire, okay? 
Just like in all the renovations, we had so much trash, so much wood and construction material and cardboard, and we would take it out to the, uh, the fire pit, and we'd set it on fire and pour some gasoline on it, and it would just, poof. And it would be, I mean, people could see it from downtown, see the smoke, you can see the effects, you could feel the effects from like 100 feet away, right? And it's a big deal. And things were burnt. <laughs> but if we expected to come back next, the next week and still have an awesome bonfire, we would be very, very disappointed. Mm. Because the church of Jesus Christ was never designed to be a bonfire mm. or stay a bonfire. Yes, when God moves, there is a huge fire. But what you do with that fire is what matters. Is each individual piece of kindling and, and material that is caught on fire, are we then taking that away from the bonfire and setting other things ablaze for the kingdom of God? Yeah. Because that's what happened in 1857. Hmm. That's what happens in Acts that we're going to see in a moment. And that's what I believe can happen here. But if we just plan on growing by attending one service once a week, we are fooling ourselves. Hmm. We need to be a brush fire. And I don't say that lightly with the events of California. We pray for all the families and people who are impacted. We're saying we want to see a spiritual wind and flame that begins to spread. And so that's kind of where we're going. So Daniel, would you start us on point yeah. number one? So I think the, the logical question is, so where do we start with that, right? That, that sounds really great as we're kind of gathering this idea of building a bonfire and then uh, carrying it on, but, but where do we start with that, right? Because I think it's, it's hard for us to almost wrap our minds around doing something different necessarily than what we've been used to when it comes to the Sunday morning experience, the hour, you know, service or so. And, and so I think for us, we need to realize that, that we have been designed and we have been given purpose in relationship with God. That God created us on purpose for a purpose. He created us with intentionality. And he also created us and gave us a purpose when he created Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply and go and subdue the earth. Hmm. By subduing the earth, he was talking about bringing his rule and reign, the kingdom of God, to the earth. But the, the challenge is, is that we try to do that kind of out of our own ingenuity and our own strength. And Jesus very much warned his disciples about this. He said this in John 15. He said that I'm the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Uh, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I think that we have taken kind of some of the, the talents and gifts and the things that we have and we try to put them all together and try to stoke a revival. But we're missing the most key component. And that is the, the person and the power of Jesus. Paul says it so brilliantly in Philippians uh, chapter 1, where he says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so if we want to stoke a revival, if we want God to move in a powerful way in our nation, it begins as us, as followers of Jesus, following Jesus. And actually in, in engaging in a relationship with him. And having like intimacy, having conversation with him. And it's, and it's not something that can only happen once a week for an hour. 
If I only hung out with my wife once a week for an hour, people would probably say that I'm not really married to her, am I? That we would, they would probably have questions about our relationship. But so often we've done that with Jesus. Mm. We've done that with our relationship with God, Come that on. we have our time for it, and then we put it off to the side and we pick it up next week. But God has called us for a continual relationship with him. And there is power when we are connected to him in that intimacy and in that relationship. You know what's interesting, too, is um, just a show of hands. How many would say that they have been a Christian for more than 10 years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, not pointing anyone out at all. But I think the sad thing that happens in churches all over the globe is there are people who claim to be Christians for more than 10 years. Some of you have been Christians over 50 years. The sad thing is you can claim to be a Christian for that long and only know the things of the Christian faith, but never know a Never know Jesus as Lord and never have a true relationship with Jesus. So I just say that not to put fear in your heart or doubt or question, but just ask yourself, what is my faith grounded in? Mm. If it's anything other than a relationship with Jesus, you need to go back to the beginning mm. because that's where it starts and that's where it ends. Yeah. So Daniel, I have a question because I think a lot of people... Um, I know myself, I, I struggled with this for a long time. How do you know if you have a relationship with Jesus? Mm. Like, okay, I said a prayer, I got baptized. I, do I, how do I know I have a real genuine relationship with him? Mm. How do you do that? I, I think there's a lot of good indicators, and we could talk about this for a long time, but I, I think of two main key points. And what's amazing is that the way God has, con has built uh, our built even culture of humanity, even when it comes to families and marriages, he, he relates the relationship of the husband and wife to that of Christ and the church, right? And if uh, one way I think about this is that I know the way, the voice of my wife. I know her voice. I don't need, when she calls, even though I have uh, even though I have, uh, what is it, caller ID, right? I don't have caller ID. I don't need caller ID because when she says, you know, my name, I know exactly who that is because I know her voice. Yeah, exactly. Like, who is this again? Um, but no, I know exactly who it is because I know her voice. I spent time with her. I know how she talks. I know what she says. And if it's somebody that's trying to imitate her, I would be able to recognize that that's not her. Not only just by the tone of voice, but what she says and how she responds. And I think Jesus is the same way. We get to know Jesus, and we know that we're known by Jesus when we know and recognize his voice. We have so many competing voices right now. So many things that are trying to tell us who we are and what our purpose is. And Jesus is, is telling us who we are, what we were designed for, the great value and worth that he's placed on our life, and that's his voice. So do we know his voice? Um, and so that, that's one thing I think that really like, sticks out to me as far as that. And then also, I think that knowing that like, when I made the commitment to my wife, when we said our vows on our wedding day, 
It was an amazing day. It rained towards the end of the day, and that was a lot of fun. We danced in the rain for a little bit. But when I said that, I made that commitment to her for my life. And I think we'll do a lot of that with Jesus, right? We'll, make a, we'll say a prayer, and we'll have a commitment to Jesus. We'll have that almost marriage moment when we come to know Jesus. But unless I, sp- if I change and spend my life with my wife, then it's not going to look any different. If anything, people will begin to question uh, my relationship with Lainey if yeah. I don't look like the husband that I committed and promised mm. to be. That's good. And so another way that we know Jesus is when we begin to look like him. We begin to look like what he has designed us and, and called us to be. We'll, we'll know the fruit of our lives. Jesus said one simple commandment to all of us as his followers. You will know that you're my follower by how you love one another, by how you love others the way that Christ has loved me or Christ has loved you, right? And so if, if I'm doing that, then I am acting and I'm living as if I know this. I'm living as if I'm known by Jesus and we have that relationship. Yeah. But if not, you... You would just as much as if I was running off doing whatever I wanted to as a husband, you would question whether I actually had a relationship with my wife. And as believers, we can do the exact same thing if we're not looking like the person in the nature of Jesus. And I just, I I think of Colossians 3. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, I think it's verse 15 where it says, put on the new nature. Put on the new nature and continue to be renewed as you learn, there's two things, what Daniel just said. As you learn to know your creator, relationship, to know him, and to look like him. Mm-hmm. So put on the new nature as you are continually renewed in learning to know God and to look more like God. That is powerful. And so revival starts with a relationship with Jesus. If you want to see revival, spiritual vitality in your life, you need to always make sure that you are abiding in Jesus, Mm -hmm. that you are remaining in him Mm -hmm. and learning more and more and more about him. I tell uh, couples who are are planning to get married all the time, and when I do premarital uh, appointments and stuff like that, I say, you are entering into the university of your spouse. You are entering into a, ta- a, a, a unended time as long as you're together in learning everything about your spouse. Mm-hmm. Because the more you learn and the more you grow together, the more deeper and richer your relationship is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with Christ. So revival, if we want to see revival, it starts in our heart with a relationship with Jesus, yeah. seeking first the things of the kingdom of God. Mm. Number two is it starts then with you. Yeah. After a relationship with Jesus is developed and sparked and ignited in our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and does life change, mm. transformation within us. We see it in Acts where revival, the flame is fanned through this. It starts with you. It starts with you. Acts 1 Look at Acts 1, verse 8. Could you just do me a favor? You're probably used to this. Just shout out the words in yellow. Ready? But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me, Jesus, everywhere in Jerusalem, 
throughout all of Judea, Samaria, and to the United States, the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. You. It starts with you. The brush fire, the fanning of the spiritual flame starts with you. Are you content and are you okay with how you as a Christian are living your life? Are you content and okay with just doing a bonfire once a week? Hmm. Where people will see Jesus in you on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, who knows what they're going to see, right? Hmm. Let's just be honest. We are called, if we want to see God's kingdom to come, we are called to have a relationship with Jesus and to start fanning that flame and igniting it in others in how we live. So we want to give you four applications, and then we want to just share from our hearts, specifically Daniel, of how we are seeing this unfold in our church, in our lives, in their families' lives. Mm-hmm. And so the first one is that revival, spiritual vitality, renewal, right, only happens when it starts with a relationship of Jesus capturing your heart. Mm -hmm. I know we're reiterating this, and we're saying it over and over in different ways, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you are calling yourself a Christian, It is only religion, not relationship. And friends, religion will never save you Mm. in eternity in heaven with God. Mm. But a relationship with Jesus, who died your death, paid your penalty, forgave your sins, will save you Mm -hmm. for eternity. It's about relationship, not religion. Mm. And it... It carries over, so it's not just that Jesus captures our heart, but he gives us a great calling. He gives us the opportunity for us to give him our life. You see, when we give Jesus everything and we, hope, we hold our hands open like this, he has the opportunity to work in and through us. That we get the opportunity then to show others what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus by the way we live our life. Let's be honest, this is the, if this is the only time that we see Jesus, when Jesus said, hey, give your life, so I mean only Sunday morning for one hour, if this is the only time that people see Jesus, then we're missing the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God. How the kingdom of God is designed is to work through the temple. The temple is the thing that connects God to humanity. It works through us, and it works through us as we give our life. Jesus even promised that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life Mm -hmm. abundantly, not just eternal life, life abundantly here and now. And if we give up our life for his sake, we will gain it. But if we hold on to our life, then we will lose it. Mm. And so when we give our life to Jesus, it is a it is a full-on commitment, just like if I give my commitment in life to my spouse, Lainey, it is for my life and it's for every day. It's not just for one day a week. I'm not a one-day husband. I'm a husband 24-7, right? That's my, that's my calling and that's my commitment. So when we give Jesus our life, we get to do the same thing. We have that same opportunity and that's that same level of devotion. 
So we covered uh, Jesus capturing your heart, number one. If not, it's just religion. Number two, uh, what uh, Daniel just said, is giving him your life. If not, it's just gathering around the bonfire Mm -hmm. and then flickering, fading, smoldering through the week. Mm. Number three, it's all about allowing Christ to change the way you think. The way you think has so much power in your life. Mm -hmm. Don't believe me? Look at how, look at how your emotions and your feelings have been impacting you this past week. Mm. Look at your actions and your responses. Look at your mood. And I guarantee you it will reflect how you have spent the most of your time thinking. Mm -hmm. If you think more of social media and what you're reading on social media, your life is going to reflect that. Mm-hmm. If you think about the positive versus the negative, your life will probably reflect that. Yeah. And if you allow Christ to renew the way you think, just like Romans 12 says, verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Why? Because you'll look like the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah. be transformed by the renewing of your, say it, minds. Mind. We need to renew the way we think, and only Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do that Mm -hmm. in us. We need to renew the way we think, if not. And this is what really concerns me. Put a check, a conviction in my heart. If not, guess what? Revival that's supposed to start with you and in you and through you won't happen because you won't see the transforming power and freedom in your life, and neither will others. Mm. That's what's at stake. Yeah. And fourth and finally. So when we allow Jesus to capture our heart, when we give him our life and we allow him to change the way we think, the result happens is there's a renewed person. We become this billboard mm. for Jesus, that we become saturated with his truth, his grace, and his love. And the world sees us, and they see that we are different, and they see that we are changed. And so instead of us becoming a, a flame that kind of comes together on Sunday mornings for a bonfire, that, little, that flame goes out into our community, into our neighborhoods, in our family, in our school place, and, and our schools, and, and they see that, that Jesus is hope, that Jesus is love, that what, we, that what our world needs is Jesus, and we get to be the ambassadors of reconciliation. We are plan A to tell the world about who Jesus is. We are the temple to show the connection between God and humanity. And because Jesus is now alive and working in us, we get the chance to show Jesus. Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ and I want to experience his suffering either uh, one way or other so I will know uh, the resurrection of the dead. And basically what Paul was saying here is that he was, wanted to know what lo- the life of lo- Christ was like and he wanted to live it and he wanted to experience it because he wanted to see resurrection power in his everyday life. Right. And we get to be that ambassador, that billboard for resurrection power in the way that we live. But yeah. it starts with our hearts being captured. It starts with our lives being open. And it starts with our minds being changed when we submit and surrender our will to him. And so we just want to leave you with the application question, and then we're going to answer the question for our lives. Where are you seeing revival, spiritual transformation in your life? 
And this isn't a condemning question. If you're not seeing it happen, then what do you need to do? You need to start in a relationship with Jesus by believing in him, believing that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one can come to the kingdom of God except through Jesus. And then you call upon him, Jesus, save me. I need you to be Lord of my life. Hmm. Something spiritual happens. The Holy Spirit changes us from death to life. But you need that. And so all you have to do is, God, set me on fire. Mm-hmm. Ignite my heart for you. And secondly, are you looking more and more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because what you're connected to and what you think about and what you receive and put in here will come out. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what is needed for revival in your life? Teens and students, this couldn't be more more relevant than in your lives right now. Mm-hmm. Your schools need you. Our community needs you. Mom and dad, brothers, sisters, friends, where do you long to see revival in your life? Could it be that this is a season where we will see greater revival than we have in our lifetime? Mm-hmm. I sure hope so. So, Daniel, could you just share for a minute kind of where you're at, where you and your lovely wife, uh, (laughs) Lainey, are are at, and what God's doing in light of this whole thing called revival? Yeah, so uh, the Lord has just been stirring in in our life and in our our family, uh, gosh, ever since really May. I mean, before then, but recently in May, we have just been wrestling and we've been praying over and fasting over God's calling for our life. And uh, we, uh, we received a really awesome opportunity to, to join the family business. Uh, Dennis and Brenda uh, Morris uh, own a company here in Cincinnati and give, or opening up the opportunity for us to do that. And, and it was a really hard, uh, just prayerful decision that we were processing because I love ministry. I, I love this. I love getting the opportunity to hang out with you guys, to do life with you all. And I love to see Jesus come alive in your life. And it had to almost rewire the way I thought, right? Because when Jesus called us to go make disciples, and when Jesus called us to be ambassadors in reconciliation, that was not a calling for just vocational ministers. That's right. That was a calling for all of us as disciples, all of us as followers of Jesus, we are to participate in the kingdom of God movement that's happening wherever we are. Matthew 28 says, as you go, Hmm. as you go make disciples, meaning as you enter your workplace, as you enter your friend's house, as you enter your school, as you enter your home, your community, your neighborhood, the grocery store, wherever it may be, do it as an ambassador of reconciliation. Do it as a billboard. And so we were really processing what this actually looks like for our family. And the more and more we saw it, we saw Jesus opening a door for us. And so we were just trying to be obedient and trying to step in to the store. And I know that it, it can come as a shock, and it almost shocked us, to be perfectly honest. I wish I could have shut that door. Yeah. I, I mean, know. that's just me, but I can't, you know. <laughs> but I think the beauty of it is that uh, we're here because this is, this is, our, this is our family. So you may, what you're saying is you may not be in a staff role, mm-hmm. 
But you are, your lives and your family is a part of this fire pit, this, this, the bonfire. Bonfire. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're just taking your ember (laughs) and taking it into your family, into your workplace. Exactly. That's powerful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. No, because we can honestly say as a family that the last five years here for us has been life changing. Our kids have been born in this time. Uh, we've had so many people that have loved us and poured into our life. And, and so for us, this is always, this is family. This is family for us. And I know it'll look a little bit different. And well, we even talked about it. Like I'll still have the opportunity, if Phil still allows me to, I'll, I'll have the opportunity to teach. I'll have the opportunity to still be a part of the spiritual growth and discipleship Absolutely. that's happening here at, at uh, Elevation it, it will just look probably a little bit different. And, and I'm excited because you're right. That ember gets to go out. And what's beautiful is that I get to join every single one of you. Because you guys are the same embers. You are the embers that are going out to your workplace and going out into your community. Mm-hmm. And you're going out and you're making an amazing impact. And I want to be a part of that. And I'm excited to be a part of that. And so this is, this, is a, this is a joy for me, and I know that every change comes with challenges, but this is a joy and an opportunity for me to join you guys as we are all sent from this bonfire to go make a difference, to be a brush fire wherever we are. Not to break the mood, but I'm so excited that when you miss a Sunday or, or two, I'm so excited to call you and say, hey, hey, Daniel, we haven't seen you in a while. Where, where, <laughs> where are you? Been? And then three weeks go by and four football. weeks, and guess what? I give the whole church your address, and we show up at your door. <laughs> but, you know, um, I do, I, I, I do want to make sure that we just answer some of the questions that, that come through. Number one, we are... Better than ever. We are okay. There was nothing that happened. It was really um, how he even said it was God is God is calling us. And honestly, we don't want to go right now, but we know that that's where God's calling us. And uh, he had a black eye for a couple days, but I know. No, but that his hands injury was this. Also, in light of COVID, guys, (laughs) it's not financial. It's not that we can't keep Daniel on. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, your giving and generosity has gone up in the last couple months. Keep that going because we're able to continue to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be different, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, go ahead. Also, uh, we'll, Laney will be here. We'll be able to talk to you guys. You don't need to say goodbye. Better not. We're not, we're not, this is not a goodbye conversation. This is just a, just a shift. There's just a shift that's happening in my role here at Elevation, but this is still home. And this is where we long to see God do amazing things. And can I say this too? I didn't say this in first service. I wanted to. But um, don't unplug from Daniel and Laney. I was a part of a church, and when I, uh, I was leaving uh, to another calling, the church just disconnected from me. They didn't even say goodbye because they were grieving in their own way. Mm. But just know that they still need relationship with you too. It's just going to look different. Mm-hmm. He's still heart of the pastor. He just doesn't have a title on staff in that. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll see Lainey up here a little bit more while you watch the kids, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But uh, anyways, we share that with you because we want Daniel's decision and Daniel's example and Laney's example to be a model for all of us in how we're living our lives out of relationship 
Where's that slide, that last slide? Out of relationship, giving him your life, allowing him to change the way you think, and then becoming a billboard. Mm -hmm. So would you pray with me? Father, may we not check out now. May we not check out right now. I even pray that there would be a stoking of the fire, the embers right now as we worship you, as we seek you, as we pursue you, God. We know that we will be found by you. And so right now in this moment, we want to press in rather than step back. And just as we're going to play this or worship to the song, Awake My Soul, talking about there is a sound when the robe of Jesus comes in the room when people pray. God, make us a people of prayer. And I even pray that, God, we would experience you right now in this moment as we seek you. Fan the flame, God. Ignite our hearts. We are set apart for you. That means we are set aside for kingdom purposes. So right now, as we engage with you, awake our hearts. God, bring revival to this church. Bring revival to the community of Blanchester. Lord, I even ask, Father, bring renewal, spiritual life to our governments. Right now, our federal government, our state governments, our community governments, God, fan the flame of the hope and the light of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.